Episode 8, Greg Anthony. You know, excellence is a, it's, it's a culture to me. Life is the opportunity to pursue excellence as a human being. Not a doing, a being. Anytime to talk about excellence is a great time to talk about excellence. Welcome to the Magnifying Excellence Podcast, powered by Exleet.com. Excellence is a journey, not a destination. Here's your host, Brian Hurlbert. An excellent hello to all of you, and it's time for another journey of excellence, when our guests speak exclusively and candidly about their journeys of excellence like they never have before. This isn't a glorification of excellence, but a deep examination of it. In the intro, we heard perspectives of excellence from Football Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, along with previous podcast guests Napoleon McCallum and Susan Anton. Today's guest is Greg Anthony, who, along with his UNLV teammates and legendary head coach Jerry Tarkanian, remain iconic in Las Vegas, a city of international superstars for leading the hometown Rebels to the 1990 NCAA basketball title. The city and team bonded in a special way, and the foundation of it all were teammates that played for and trusted each other. That season, Greg also played with a broken jaw. Everybody was in it for the right reasons, so we just all bought in, and we we really did. That's what made our team so special. Obviously, we had talent, but it was the chemistry we had and the trust, and, and it was really about winning. And so, like, that was what allowed that team to be so good. In addition to an 11-year NBA career, including on some legendary New York Knicks teams, Greg also has been my friend since third grade, when we played on the same basketball team for three years. A little more about my influence on his hoops career a little bit later. These days, Anthony is a respected NBA television announcer and also president of Altitude International, a company that is bringing a new and innovative excellence to sports training. He's also the father of four, including NBA rookie Cole of the Orlando Magic and daughter Ella, a top-ranked high school basketball player. Greg's path of excellence has been winding, from growing up without his father's influence, to being under-recruited out of high school, to the broken jaw at UNLV, to other obstacles hurdled, but his perseverance has never been in short supply. So, Mr. Perseverance, how do you define excellence? Wow, that it's... Uh... It's an obviously a powerful word for me. I, I think it's uh, the ability for, for one to have a high level of consistency. You know, as human beings, we're enabled with with fault, right, and flaws. Like we we're not perfect, uh, but excellence to me is when you approach the challenge of trying to be perfect, and you create a level of consistency that allows you to be at your most often. And so for me, that's kind of how I would describe it. Yet to achieve it, but <laughs> but uh, I do, I have enjoyed that journey. We always want to focus on excellence being relative to your circumstance, your situation. And I know teachers who were excellent in every bit the equal of any player I ever played with, um, but maybe society doesn't view them that way. And that's unfortunate. And you, as an individual, have to be comfortable with your own excellence, you know, not not comparing it to someone else's. 
be true to yourself and to your journey uh, and take those gifts that you've been blessed with and commit to those and see where that takes you. Because ultimately, as I said, for me, it's about joy, you know, and, and when you have that, uh, life doesn't get any better. As with our other guests, like Greg and Mike Maddox, Anthony understands excellence as a continual journey. He strongly believes that to advance on the path of excellence, there must be checkpoints along the way. Well, again, I think you 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 start with just being goal-oriented. I think it's really important to set markers uh, that you want to aspire to, because I think that creates... And, uh, an environment where you can go and pursue that without fear of failure or fault uh, and not worrying about being judged. And I think it starts with that, with setting those goals. And so that's something that's always important. And then ultimately, as you achieve those goals, you set higher goals for yourself. And, you know, I think that's, for me, the area that I kind of focused on and how I approached it and being fortunate to play at a high level, you know, you get to compare yourself to others. And, and I think Greg and and Mike both made great comments because we, they seen it as I have, as you have, you talk about overachievers. We've also seen the underachievers. Uh, And so you also, that helps you. I think if you aspire to be great at something uh, or the best you can be at something, um, cause you get, you get both spectrums, right? You, you get, I got to see not only in college, obviously, because that environment is created, but then when you get to the professional level, uh, to see a, a Patrick Ewing and how he approached his craft, uh, that was, that was excellence, you know, getting to see that, um, this is a guy that, you know, he'd take two weeks off. He'd be at the gym at Georgetown cause he lived in DC in the off season, nine in the morning to five at night every day like to me that's just amazing to commit that much of yourself to something uh, and it taught me a lot and, and that's the one thing i i can say that was constant i was fortunate to play with a lot of great players and for some incredible incredible coaches you know jerry tarkanian and pat riley uh first and foremost what about jerry tarkanian exuded excellence well again it's the consistency like that was the thing of that it's interesting too, because I had a stretch where I was with him for four years and Pat Riley consecutively. So I had eight years of two of the greatest to ever coach the game at that respective level. Uh, and what was amazing was how similar they were in their approach, yet vastly different in their their makeup, of, uh, in their being. You know what I mean? Like they just had, you couldn't be a different, ends of the spectrum when you take Pat Riley, who's like this suave, debonair, cool, best dressed, uh, you know, everything about him was perfect. And then you juxtapose that with, with Coach. And, you know, Coach was short. You know, he wasn't a sex symbol. You know, he was wearing, you know, coat shirts with that were short sleeve. you know, like he was a salesman at an office. Uh you know, it, they were just so different. But when you got on the court, the similarities were so profound. And again, that consistency, they were trying to reach 
you know, get you to reach excellence by having the ability to consistently do the same thing at a high level, you know? And so that for me was incredible to a point where it, it probably hurt me some later in my career because I'd never was coached by that. I had good coaches, but nobody was at that level. There's a reason why there's a hall of fame and certain people are in it and other great players and coaches aren't, you know, like they, they have a little extra about them that has allowed them to accomplish what they had. And what's the biggest thing you learned from Jerry Tarkanian? Confidence, believe it or not. Like coach was so incredible at seeing more in you than you would see in you. Like, um, and that's so important. Like just as a parent, you know, my wife and I talk about, I know you as a parent, like we talk about the importance of building up your child, your child's self-esteem, uh, giving or you know, finding ways to take a negative and make it positive, you know, and, and that's so important. And I got that because of my circumstance. I, I always got that from people who weren't necessarily my mom or my dad and you, you know, you and I go back to freaking elementary school. So like, uh, he would instill that in you telling you how good you were just even when he, you know, when I first got there, I, I never forget my, I had was going to transfer back home. My grandfather had passed away and, uh, you know, I didn't go to UNLV initially and that didn't go over well with a lot of people because everybody assumed I would, um, and but for some other circumstance, it ended up I went to Portland for a year. Um, but when I came back, I was thinking like, man, I'm going to see if they'll let me walk on, you know, because I was just going to go to school and see. Uh, so I went to sit down and talk with them. And, you know, he immediately said, we're going to put you on a scholarship. And he was, you know, I, I thought then I, he said, you have a chance to be the best guard I've ever coached. And, you know, for us, Brian, we're coming from a small town Las Vegas, we only had 10 high schools in the whole county. Um, we didn't get to see a lot of next level talent, you know? Um, and you didn't know what else was out there. It wasn't like today for the younger kids because the top kids, they own, they get to play against all the top kids all over the country from middle school on. We didn't have that experience. You know, everything I'd had experienced for the most part was just local. And so when, when somebody of his stature says that about you, that changes how you view yourself. And he really allowed me to become a really good player to the point where I was a lottery pick and got to, you know, play 11 years in the, in the NBA and still have a career in the game because of the impact that he had on my life. Well, up until you went to UNLV and beyond, you had to judge your athletic and basketball prowess against me, and that's probably not the highest bar to have out there. <laughs> well, it carried me for a long time, Brian. It did. You know, you got me all the way through middle school. There you go. <laughs> when Anthony looks back, those who have inspired him have been father figures who he was fortunate enough to meet at the proper times. It was during our time as Tamiyasu Elementary School Dragons when our coach, Bergen Edgeworth, firmly set Greg on his path to excellence, a conversation that would eventually lead to a city winning a national championship. That's, I keep that one, for me, that's more personal. So I remember Mr. Edgeworth, you know, our fourth grade elementary teacher. Um, and I was telling you about how 
Coach Tark gave me confidence, right? He was the one, I was probably third grade and we had a parent-teacher conference. And, you know, I was, I could be a badass in school. You know, I was bouncing around. I had ADD. And, you know, my mom was a single mom. She worked all day. I didn't see my mom much growing up, you know, because she's working, you know. And then I'm, I'm out as I got older playing ball. And then by the time I get home, she sleeps. So that just, she never saw me play in high school. You know, and so Coach Edwards, so we had this meeting, this conference, and Coach looked at my mom and he said, listen, if you if this young man strains himself up and learns to focus and do X, Y, and Z, he could play at UNLV one day. And man, those were the most powerful words I'd ever heard. Like, that was the first person that made me feel like I could be something, you know? And this was when I was in third grade. And so he coached us all through elementary. And man, that that changed my life because my environment was such that nobody made, you know, nobody did anything worth, you know, being proud of. And so uh, to hear that, man, we didn't have a pro team in, in Vegas. That was, the, the Rebels was it. I was a kid. We had one TV in our house and it was in my mom's room. And I would go in, they replay the Rebel games at midnight on uh, Channel 5, KBVU. And I would take my blanket, I would go on my mom's room at midnight. I put the blanket over the TV and over me, and I put it on mute, and I watched the replay of those games as a kid, man. And so, like, hearing that from him, it really did. It changed everything for me. And so, he's a huge influence on my life. Uh, my high school coach, Coach Allen. Jim Allen also huge influence again, because I didn't know my father. And so it was really important to have, you know, a father figure in your life. And so those two guys were really important coach, uh, Mr. Zarnicky, who was my middle school coach, who was a military man was also, you know, influential. So for me, I got a lot of that from basketball, you know, cause it put me in those environments. They saw something in me and, they made me stay straight and narrow. And so those three guys uh, were the most you know, influential in that regard for me. These days, Anthony is inspired by the excellence of Tom Brady, the seven-time Super Bowl champion. Greg respects his perseverance and commitment. The, the commitment to something, in his case, his craft, like the discipline... And on top of all of that, he has a way of connecting with people. And he tends to bring out the best in those. And again, I mean, his circumstance there, it's pretty well documented how he's the one that went to bat for Antonio Brown, you know, who had had his his issues. He went to bat for Leonard Fournette, who had had his issues. Uh and he got those guys, you know, he got the organization to buy in, right? Then he got the coaching staff to buy in. And then he got those guys to buy in. Like, that is powerful. And doing it at this stage of his career, and people say, well, he's got that reputation, but he's the reason he has the reputation, you know? And, like, when you get an opportunity to be around true excellence, every day uh, it forces you to raise your level 
it just does. And so he's the one that comes to my mind first and foremost uh, because of that ability and that sustainability that he's had over the course of his career. In 2021, the Las Vegas area is now known as one of the top cities in America for producing basketball talent. And while Greg raised his son, Cole, in New York and Florida, what he learned during his own basketball journey has allowed him to help Cole reach the highest levels of the game, the NBA. At the core of his influence was establishing a mindset that failure is okay and maybe even encouraged. Yeah, well, first and foremost, failure is what allows you to to evolve into success. And by that, I mean, it's experience, right? A lot of the best experiences one has in life are the failures that they had. So that was a big part of it for me. I, I remember my sophomore year in high school and I was starting varsity and I was a really, really talented player, but I had no idea how good I was. And we were six and 24 my sophomore year. Um, and there wasn't anybody and my coach would like, tell me, you know, but I couldn't grasp it. You know, I didn't understand how to grow and how to impact more of the game. And so, um, that experience though, and then his belief in me and pushing me. Uh, and then when I started to learn how to break things down and that's what I mean by failure, I used to do this with my oldest son, Cole, a lot, and I'll, I'll bounce around a lot, Brian, no, this is uh, great. but he, so like, you know, when he would be shooting, when he was young, you know, he, he'd miss a shot and he'd get pissed off about missing. And I said, buddy, you, you can't worry about missing the shot. You have to focus on why you missed. You know, like that's what's going to allow you to get better, not just being mad because you missed. Like use the miss as an opportunity to get better. Was your elbow in? Did you have good balance? Were you leaning? You know, did you elevate on the shot? You know, did you shoot it in rhythm? Like you got to learn to be able to dissect what you're trying to accomplish in order to get better at it. And so that was actually like, it took him a while to figure that out, you know, as a, as a player, because when you're competitive, you know, you, well, we get mad when something is going right. And sometimes that emotion or that, that anger doesn't allow you to focus on what's important. And so that's where, like, when you learn to embrace the failure and grow from, it. you know, like I played on teams that lost, you know, seventh games and championship games um, you, you're gonna have a lot of failure. <laughs> failure is relative, right? Like if you finish second, you feel like you fail, but you beat all those other teams, you know, but again, in that moment, you feel like you fail. And then the, if you get another opportunity to redeem yourself, you got to figure out why to get better. And, and so that's for me, uh, why failure is it's really important to one in terms of being able to achieve, because that's how you grow. Right. You know, the growth comes because when you can learn from the failure uh, and use that failure as, you know, a stepping stone towards growth, that's how you become better at what you do and at who you are. As a father of three and for any parents listening, we all understand the challenge of helping guide children on their paths. For Greg, he believes a child finding what he or she truly loves is the key for finding excellence or at least getting started on the path to it. And the first thing you got to do is 
let your child tell you what they want to do. And that's how I approached it with all my kids. It's funny, Cole, and I probably have told you this story, but when he was fifth grade, you know, he played, you know, baseball, soccer, little lacrosse, you know, obviously basketball. And we're at the little little league game. And, you know, he had had a good game. And I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe baseball will be his thing, right? Because he was, he was not very good from fifth grade to sixth grade. He was probably the sixth best player on his team that wasn't that good. (laughs) So after the game, you know, he comes to me, he goes, dad, I just wanted to tell you, uh, I just want to focus on basketball. I don't, I don't really want to do any other sports. And so he took ownership of that in the you know fifth grade between fifth and sixth grade, and I said okay, buddy. And and the first thing that came to my mind personally was I was like, well, hell, I know enough people, I can get him a scholarship somewhere. You know, <laughs> I'm saying it to myself, not thinking he had any chance to be really good, but you know, but it was an opportunity to say to him, okay, well, if this is the path you want, this is the direction you have to take. These are the things you need to do to to get where you want to go, right? And, and so, in essence, what we were just talking about is exactly how we approached. Um, he he found something that he wanted that was his, and he said, "This is what I want to do." And I gotta say, that's one of the reasons why he's had so much success. He plays purely for the love of the game, like. He loves basketball. He doesn't want to do anything else, you know, like that. And it that started in the fifth, between fifth and sixth grade. And when we had that conversation, his work ethic was off the charts. Like we'd have to kind of slow him down a little bit from the end of the fifth grade, sixth grade on. Like he like just consumed working on his craft and so we would literally have to hold him out of tournaments just because we wanted him to be normal too. Like, you know, have other interests, hobbies, things of that nature. Um, but that was it. And so he's just carried that forth. Like we literally, we talk every day and 85% of the conversation is about basketball. Like that's, that's his thing. And it's, it's great because it allows us to have the connection, but it's even better that he's able to achieve a goal he set for himself in middle school. Now for a quick break after the first half buzzer with Greg Anthony. Thanks again for listening. Now it's time to ask for a favor and hopefully offer you some value for it. Please visit xleet.com, www.xlete.com and join our free Magnifying Excellence Club by just sharing your email. For that, you will receive the first edition ebook, 10 Life and Business Lessons from Season 1 Guests, plus a chance to win excellence gear. And you will receive our weekly X Letter email newsletter. We also hope that if you like what you're hearing, that you share it with your friends, family, and coworkers, and also post a review to help us share our journey of excellence with others. Now, the second half tip off with Greg Anthony, Mr. Perseverance. While goals have always been important to Anthony, inspirational quotes or sayings haven't been a part of his motivation. That motivation comes from finding a passion and then making sure to never veer from the path that would ultimately get him to his intended result. Well, I I think first and foremost, you have to find something you truly, genuinely care about. 
Okay. I think, and this is something that unfortunately most people don't have, but if you want to find a passion, you want to find something you're passionate about. And oftentimes the passion will create the journey for you. You know, if you truly love something enough, uh, that that should bring about a certain level of focus and discipline that you have to have uh, to be good at anything um, or sustaining being good at anything. Because there are a lot of people can, that are talented, but they don't necessarily have the drive, the discipline, the focus that's necessary to sustain the journey. And so that, to me, really speaks to it. Um, most people do have something that they love, um, but oftentimes they're afraid to, to go for it. Um, and that goes back to being afraid to fail, right? And so, you know, you have to be able to get over that. Um, but, but that to me, I would start like, try to find that passion uh, and then understand that there are no secrets to succeeding. That's <laughs> like... You know, talent matters, but if you don't combine it with what it takes from a work ethic standpoint, from a discipline standpoint, um, it, it becomes fleeting. And so that's where I would go in terms of uh, approaching it from that matter. For me, it just, I always try to focus on what my end game was. What was, what am I trying to accomplish with my life, you know, um, whether it be a legacy, um, I have four great kids, so I wanted to give them, uh, the opportunity to go above and beyond, uh, anything I've ever accomplished, but more importantly, be able to chase their, their passion, find their love for something. And so for me, that, that's really, that was it. Just like, what do I want to accomplish? with my life. And it kind of stems from that. You know, I, I want my kids to be proud. I want them to have an opportunity. Uh, and I want them to be really good people. And thus far I'm heading in the right direction. And so that, that's really it. That's kind of the mantra for me. Um, you know, I kind of work backwards, you know, if I want as a person to achieve something, what is it I want to achieve? Okay, identify that and then, okay, backtrack. What's the best path to get there? And so that's kind of, I'm, and I'm still on that journey, Brian. Like, that's the beauty of it. Uh, I finally got my first one out the house, off the payroll. And, uh, you know, number two is real close. So, but they're, and like I said, they're great people. You know, it's cool. I get to talk to them literally every day. Um and just being able to do that as when they're adults tells you, you obviously did something right. Greg discovered his passion and often dreamt of playing for his hometown UNLV Rebels to then win an NCAA title after a season of challenges, including that broken jaw, is the stuff of legend. The celebration on the Las Vegas Strip following the victory might have been the best ever in a city that is known internationally for major celebrations covered a million sporting events have you ever seen one where a team at this level has dominated in every facet of the game yeah record setting night 103 73 unlv yeah it was an incredible year uh 
And what an honor to be a part of that team. Uh, you know, it didn't start out great. Uh, but we we knew he had something special because, you know, every year coach would bring in these hot recruits and he'd always be, you know, tell us how good this guy was. This guy's one of the best of this that, and the other. And that was kind of also who he was. Like he was, that was just his way of approaching things. And then all those guys would come in, we'd play and they would just be regular. Like we didn't, I didn't see anything that I didn't hadn't seen before. Right. And then he said the same thing about Larry Johnson. So when Larry came in, um, you know, we played pickup. Larry was the first guy that I saw that was different. Like he was different. Like his, uh, his talent level was just off the charts. I had never seen anyone able to do the stuff he could do physically and his approach. And then on top of that, and what really allowed our team to be great was he was a great teammate. Like Larry was arguably the best teammate I ever had. And that's not to slight anybody. Stacy was incredible. But like when your best player can be held accountable by your worst player, uh, that speaks volumes throughout your team. Because he's t- basically telling you it's about winning. And for him to have that approach, you know, it allowed us to become a great team because if Larry didn't do something, which generally he always did, but when he made, you know, a mistake, you could, Hey, get on him about that. And he would be okay with it, you know? And so it, it allowed us all to hold each other accountable and that stuff's so important. You know, everybody was in it for the right reasons. So we just all bought in and we, we really did. That's what made our team so special. Obviously we had talent, but, it was the chemistry we had and the trust and, and it was really about winning. And so like, that was what allowed that team to be so good. That's why we didn't have, you know, after I was able to come back from an injury, that's why we didn't have the off nights. You know, we would will wins because you're human. You don't have nights where it isn't working, but we would always be consistent in our effort to a point where no matter what, we were going to have a great opportunity to win the game. After narrowly missing out on back-to-back NCAA titles at UNLV, Anthony and his teammates Larry Johnson and Stacy Ogman were first-round NBA draft picks. They each wore number two in honor of Jerry Tarkanian, and Anthony then played for another coach and team, Pat Riley and the New York Knicks. The team made it to the NBA Finals in 1999, the last time the Knicks made it to the Finals but they lost in seven games to the Houston Rockets. Well, one, the opportunity to be a part of a lot of really special teams. Uh, you know, I only had two years where I didn't make the playoffs, and, and those are the two years in Vancouver when we were an expansion team. And so to be a part of that was awesome. Uh, most memorable moment was the, the time with the Knicks. I mean, I had some incredible years with the Blazers. Uh, Cole was born in Portland. Like, I have an incredible... Uh, amount of amazing memories from that experience. But the Knicks, because I got to play for Pat Riley, uh, we got to play at the highest level. We we made it to the NBA Finals uh, and we, you know, played in the penultimate game or, or, you know, the final game in that game seven, even though we didn't come out on top. That journey uh, was incredibly memorable and it spoke volumes about that group as well. And it also showed me that, you know, 
even great teams don't always ultimately achieve everything, even when everything's aligned to do it. Like, there's no reason why we didn't. Like, we were connected. We played well enough. Uh, but that's the beauty of the game is that playing hard, working hard, really only guarantees you an opportunity. It doesn't guarantee you success. What's the biggest thing you learned from Pat Riley? So, Tark was a, a, a guy that would put instill confidence in you individually. Riley would do it collectively. So he instilled a confidence in a team unlike anybody I had ever been around. And so it, it, he always made it about the team. So if you and I are teammates, Brian, and you went out and you had a lousy game and you made all these mistakes, it, it would be about what we didn't do well to help you play better. That's how he would approach it. And he always focused on the team to a point where no matter who we were playing, if we lost, it's because we didn't do something, had nothing to do with them. And it didn't matter if it was the Chicago Bulls. That was so unique in terms of your life building skills. Because when you do, I mean, one, I played in the league a long, you know, 11 years. But after that, the things that I do outside, where I have a team, you know, whether it be in sports or in business, I try to instill that approach, you know, like to get everybody to buy into the team and, you know, not focus on what your individual circumstance is, but how is our team functioning? Are we accomplishing and achieving those goals? And man, I'm telling you that, that was really powerful for me. And it's something that you don't necessarily appreciate right away. You know, you really, you don't, you, you get that later as the season progressed and as our team, you know, over those four years continue to build, man, that's when you start to really appreciate the impact of that and, and that philosophy and that approach, whether it be on the court or, or in life. Anthony has taken what he learned from Riley and Tarkanian and others and applied it to his announcing career and now in his role as president and spokesperson of Altitude International, a company bringing excellence to training through innovative technology. The company's mission is to improve athletic performance by providing custom-built, simulated altitude chambers and position-specific protocols to athletes and teams. Recent adopters include the Miami Dolphins and Orlando Magic. It's awesome. I have to be careful because we're a publicly traded company and uh, we're in the process of a, of a merger, uh, which is going to be incredible for us and our stockholders as well. But uh, on our side, on altitude, basically what we do is we create altitude chambers that allow you to train at altitude. But I live in Florida at sea level. Uh, and so uh, we've installed one for the Miami Dolphins in their practice facility. They're building a new facility, and uh, we're in the in the midst of uh, putting a new system in their uh, facility there. But in essence, the beauty of training at altitude it's it's the reason why the U.S. Olympic team went to Colorado Springs uh, because it does it in uh, expands your capillaries. Uh, it does so much uh, to also prevent injury because it does increase stamina. Uh, and, and most injuries, as you know, are fatigue related. Uh, and so it's exciting technology that really has been there for a long time. But now because of 
where teams, in, particularly in professional sports and even at the highest of the collegiate level, uh, they're all now hiring sports scientists and they have people that understand how to create maximum output from an athlete. Uh, and this is one of those elements that is starting to, to catch some fire. We're having a lot of success professionally now. And obviously COVID didn't help uh, as we were making some inroads uh, on the collegiate level. But uh, we got a lot of optimism. We're really excited about the product. Uh, and we're going to continue to push forward. And, and like I said, it's a really exciting time, probably the most exciting time uh, dur during my tenure. And uh, we're just looking forward to the future. As Greg concludes with us today, he reflects back on overcoming challenges, goals, and why it is important to be true to yourself at all times. I'd ask them to really just analyze why they failed or why they aren't achieving success. And this goes back as an athlete to being held accountable, right? Like you have to take ownership in some of what's going on in your world, in your life, in your career. And the sooner you take that ownership, the sooner you're, you'll be on the path to success. Um, but I think it, it really has to start with uh, some self-analyzation, uh, an honest conversation with yourself and figuring out why I'm on this path. And if you can do that, and it is not easy, but if you can do that, I think that ultimately gets you going in the right direction and gives you an opportunity to control your own destiny. Thanks again, Greg, for sharing your journey of excellence. And thanks for winning that national championship for our alma mater UNLV. And as you know, my son Trey is carrying on the Tarkanian tradition by wearing number two for your UNLV Rebels. This has been the Magnifying Excellence Podcast, and now time for that favor again. Please visit xleet.com and join our free Magnifying Excellence Club and receive our new ebook, 10 Life and Business Lessons Learned from Season 1 Guests Like Greg. That's xlete.com. Also, if you like what you heard, please share the podcast with friends, family, and coworkers. This just might be the podcast they didn't know they needed. And please download our other episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Guests include Hall of Famers Bill Walton and Greg Maddox, entertainer Susan Anton, Naval Academy graduate and former Raider Napoleon McCallum, former FBI Assistant Director of Counterintelligence Frank Figluzzi, and others. So, another excellence journey concludes. We are broadcast from Las Vegas, the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Original music and production was done by Jay Hurley. Any brief celebrity quotes do not imply endorsement of xleet.com or the Magnifying Excellence podcast. All rights reserved.